Thank you, Gary. So I was just informed that uh, Nessa Synagogue in Beverly Hills, a synagogue that's uh, it's a very large Persian synagogue that I've actually spoken at before. It's an Orthodox synagogue. Was last night? It was vandalized. They destroyed nine Torah scrolls, and and many of the prayer books. Many of you know we just did a campaign to raise a Torah scroll. You know that they're not cheap. So we're talking about tens of thousands of dollars that have. Uh, so we want to just keep our, you know, praying this week that, as many of you know, the uptick in anti-Semitism in acts you know, directly uh, assaults against Jews have been on the rise over the last couple of years that many of us have already heard about the shooting that happened in New Jersey this week. And word came out, not only was that kosher uh, grocery store targeted, but they were actually trying to get to, right next door was a yeshiva where they would have killed probably 50 kids had they gotten in there. And so I, uh, in one sense, thank God that the, it wasn't worse, but it's a world in which uh, we cannot be silent, that we have a responsibility, that whether you're Jewish or not, if you are part of this community, then God has called you here to stand alongside the Jewish people, and that we cannot be silent, that whatever we need to do, whether it's lobbying our uh, politicians, whatever it is, that we need to be diligent and we need to pray for the peace of Israel. Sha'alu shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem and all who dwell in not only her midst, but in anticipation for the new Jerusalem, right? So again, I want to encourage you all that as we, this is our second week using our prototype siddurs as our experiment in, in uh, praying from a prayer book. We've done it for many, many years uh, during the high holidays. And if you're kind of still wondering why we're doing this, if you didn't get a chance to hear a couple weeks ago that I did a sermon on the importance of a siddur and why we're moving in this direction, that if you weren't here for that, I really want to encourage you to listen to that sermon or maybe listen to it again. Last week, we were continuing our sermon series in the book of Matthew and I got really great feedback from all of you on my sermon from last week. So I don't know how I'm going to top that one, but um, I'm not going to even try. So we'll just go in a different direction. So we are going to continue through our sermon series in the book of Matthew. That You'll notice today that our Torah reading, last week and this week, I'm not, sorry, not the Torah reading, the Brich Hadashah reading was from the book of Mark, right? And the part of that is there's only 28 chapters in the book of Matthew, and there's 52 weeks in a year, minus the holiday readings in some of those. It means that we have more weeks to fill. And so throughout this year, as we're not only progressing through Matthew, but you're going to see insertions of Mark all the way through the rest of this year. But for today, we're going to continue with Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. I'm going to read it aloud, but if you would like, you're welcome to follow along. Matthew 4, beginning in verse 17. From that time on, Yeshua began proclaiming, turn from your sins to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And Yeshua walked by Lake Kineret, the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers who were fishermen, Shimon, known as Kepha, and his brother Andrew throwing their net into the lake. And Yeshua said to them, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and went with him 
Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, Yaakov, the son of Zavdai, and Yochanan, his brother, in the boat with their father Zavdai, repairing their nets, and he called to them. At once they left their boat and their father, and they went with Yeshua. Yeshua went all over the Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing the people of, from every kind of disease and sickness. Word of him spread throughout all Surya, and people brought to him all who were ill, suffering from various diseases and pains and those held in the power of demons and epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Huge crowds followed him from the Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. This is very similar to the Mark reading uh, that was just read earlier by Melanie, and you can see why uh, it was the reading for this week. <coughs> so this passage <clears throat> obviously describes the calling of some of Yeshua's disciples. So what do we mean by this word disciple? What is the word disciple in Hebrew? The, one of the most common words in uh, for disciple in Hebrew. Talmid, right? Talmid. What does Talmid mean? Student, but what is, what is, it means student why? What does is, what is the word mean literally? So the word Talmid comes from the root Lamad, which is to learn, right? Or to study. So a Talmid is a learner. So that's where we get the idea of a student because it's one who learns. In the first century, the disciples of the sages had four major tasks to perform. These tasks describe the cultural context for our understanding of the discipleship in the Gospels. So when we understand that Yeshua, and last week we were talking about how John had many, many, many disciples, what did it mean to be a disciple at the time Yeshua lived? A disciple was expected to do four things. He was expected, or she was expected, to memorize their teacher's words, to learn their teacher's traditions and interpretations, to imitate their teacher's actions, and to raise up more disciples for their teacher. So we're going to unpack these a little bit, but those are the four expectations of a disciple in early Judaism. To memorize their teacher's words, to learn their teacher's traditions and interpretations, to imitate their teacher's actions, and to raise up more disciples for their teacher. So what does it mean to memorize their teacher's words? It was the job of a disciple to memorize the words of their master. The oral transmission process was the only intergenerational communication practiced among the sages. The great rabbis and Torah scholars did not write scrolls or, or compose books for their students to read and study. Instead, they taught orally, and their disciples studied by memorizing their words. Through constant repetition, disciples memorized their teacher's words verbatim and were able to repeat them to subsequent generations. So many of the teachings that we have, for example, from Shammai and Hillel, they never wrote anything down. In many cases, the teachings that we have from them were from those after. And this is, continues the same idea in the vein of Yeshua, who we don't have anything that Yeshua directly read, wrote, directly wrote. Instead, what we have were the things that were written about him by his Talmudim, by his disciples. It's interesting that this even happens now. So how many people have ever heard of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, right? Like the last, so he died in 1994. And I remember when that happened, but uh, he was this great 
uh, sage, and he would give on Shabbat for, you know, that hundreds and hundreds of Hasidim, of his Hasidim, would squeeze into 770 in Brooklyn, like the address 770 of where kind of the, uh, the center of, of Chabad is. And on Shabbat afternoon, he would give a, a sicha, a discussion of the weekly Torah portion. And he had a group of people who were... Uh, people who had total recall. And so what they would do is they would memorize everything that he would say, and that since you can't write on Shabbat, then what they would do is when Shabbat is over, then they would record his teachings. And then the Lubavitcher Rebbe would then, over the week, that he would look over their words to make sure that what, <laughs> what they were transcribing were actually the words that he said, and then these would be published. And so to this day, we have volumes and volumes and volumes of the Rebbe's Sichas that would happen on Shabbos and on holidays. And we have them because there were people who would memorize them as they were being spoken and then write them down later. So this still happens. So we're supposed to memorize our teacher's words. And for us as followers of Yeshua, that we should know intimately the teachings of the Gospels that we should know by heart the teachings and the interpretations that Yeshua gives for the Torah. The second thing that a disciple was expected to do was to learn their teacher's traditions and interpretations. It was a disciple's job to learn the tradition of how his master kept the commands of God and interpreted the scriptures. Every detail about the teacher was important to the disciple. The disciple needed to learn how the teacher washed his hands, how he kept Shabbat, how he fasted, how he prayed, how he gave tzedakah, how he affixed a mezuzah, how he said the blessings over food, etc. Some of this stuff we don't have, but as much as we can, it's not a question of observing the Torah. The question is, how did Yeshua observe the Torah? And how did Yeshua interpret the teachings of Torah? Furthermore, the way the teacher interpreted passages of, of scripture, the meanings he drew out, the parables with which he elucidated, the way he explained a verse or, an, or understood a concept, each of these was of utmost importance to a disciple. Details of this sort were not just trivia. To a disciple, these were like gems and pearls meant to be gathered and treasured. To this day, disciples of a great rabbi, that they will do things exactly the way that their rabbi did it, you know? So, for example, up until about the 40s or 50s, pious men did not wear goatees. You, if you were considered, like, more pious of an individual, like my holy brother over here, <laughs> anybody wearing a goatee, uh, it, prior to that, people wore full beards. If you were considered a pious individual, you wore a full beard. And so there was a question, why did Rav Yosef Soloveitchik, one of the great Talmudic scholars of our times, he wore a goatee, and he almost made it cool and kosher for Orthodox Jews to have a goatee. And so since then, it's not a big deal to see modern Orthodox Jews have a goatee because he's the one who set the precedence. And, you know, and this was a big question because shaving was considered one of those things. It's not so pious, and so how could he do it? Uh, and there were other things that, Rav Soloveitchik would do. And so his disciples, believe it or not, there are books published with how to observe everything just the way that Rav Soloveitchik does so, right? And the same with Chabad. Like, if one of the rabbis said, like, this is the way you're supposed to do. Did you know, how many people have ever heard the term Shulchan Aruch? It means the Code of Jewish Law. It's an abbreviation, a published form of all the different halachot. 
But did you know that Chabad has their own Shulchan Aruch that's different than what all other Jews observe? Because it's the way their Rebbe understood the Shulchan Aruch. And so that's where they get all these additional teachings of the way they're supposed to do things. For example, did you know that Hasidim, that the way most men's coats, they go, I think it's left over right. Hasidim don't do that. It goes left, it goes, I think, right over left. And there's some, I don't know, Kabbalistic thing that one of the rabbis taught. But these are the things that end up happening, right? That people want to so scrupulously do whatever that their rabbis did that they have, we have whole publications the way that we do things. My point is that we also have a text, right? The Gospels, which talk about how our Messiah did things, how our Rebbe did things. And if Hasidim today are so scrupulous in order to follow the ways of their sages, how much more so should we also seek to be following in the way of our greatest sage, the greatest sage who ever lived, Yeshua the Messiah? Furthermore, disciples were expected to imitate their teacher's actions. Don't just do as they say, do as they do, right? A disciple's highest calling was to be a reflection of their teacher, a disciple studied to learn and to act, to speak, and to respond the same way their master would act and speak and respond. A disciple studied to do things their master did. In fact, every disciple fully trained will be like his master, it says. The idea is that when you are a disciple, that you become a little disciple of the one that you are a follower of. In the same way for us, Whatever the label that you ascribe to yourself, for us, we tend to prefer the term messianic. It means to be like Messiah. We're supposed to be those who emulate and are the reflections of, the extension of our Messiah to the world around us. The fourth thing, the final thing, and obviously I'm rushing through all these because we all have other things to do today. But the fourth and final thing that a disciple was expected to do was to raise up other disciples, not just to emulate and memorize and be you know, the actions of your teacher, but you're supposed to now raise up other disciples in order to follow that teacher. It was the job of a disciple when fully trained to raise up his own disciples, and he was to create a new generation of students and to transmit to them the memorized words of his master the traditions and the interpretations, the actions and behaviors of his master. The goal was to pass the torch of discipleship from one generation to another. In Matthew 28, we read, in Matthew 28, 16, so the 11 Talmudim went to the hill in the Galilee where Yeshua had told them to go. When they saw him, they prostrated themselves before him, but some hesitated. And Yeshua came and he talked with them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make from all nations into Talmudim, immersing them into the reality of the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I will be with you always, yes, even until the end of the age. Since these are the last instructions of Yeshua before his ascension, a little more weight is often given to these final words and instructions. And in these final words, Yeshua clearly tells us. He instructs us as his followers to, be, followers to be actively involved in raising up other disciples. He says, go, right? 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. So therefore go and make people from all the nations into Ptolemydim. Make them into disciples, immersing them, immersing them into the reality of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each one of us is a disciple of Messiah Yeshua. Therefore, each one of us has a responsibility to these conditions of discipleship. We need to be memorizing our teacher's words, to learn our teacher's traditions and interpretations, to imitate our teacher's actions, and to raise up more disciples for our Messiah. I especially want to focus on the expectation of raising up more disciples, because this is not an extra act of piety, but one incumbent upon each and every one of us. I am excited about what God is doing within our congregation. And as we look to the future, we need to be building for what lies ahead. We're about to head into the year 2020, which is crazy, right? Doesn't it seem to everybody like just two years ago was the whole Y2K freak out and everybody, the world's gonna end and like all our computers are gonna stop working. Mine works just fine. <laughs> So we're about to head into the year 2020, which will also be our congregation's 28th anniversary. So we're drawing close to the 30 year. And I think when we get two years from now, the 30 year mark, you know, we'll have a big celebration that we've survived this long, right? Uh, I believe 2020 is going to be a significant year for us. And, we, and it will be an indicator for the strength of our congregation moving forward. Therefore, I also believe that for us, the year 2020 is prophetic and will provide, if you will, 2020 vision for what we are going, where we are going as a community. That I think for us, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's 2020, but I think that there's a message in this for us that is prophetic, a, pre a prophetic view that God would give us 2020 vision, perfect vision for where he wants us to go, where God is leading us. Therefore, I have been in very thoughtful prayer and discussion with other leaders, with my wife and with the board, as to the direction of our synagogue, asking, what will Beth Emunah look like in the future? And more particularly, where is God leading us? And back to our task of raising up more disciples for Yeshua, how many of you want to see Beth Emunah grow? To be healthy, not just, it's not just about numbers, it's about growing spiritually, emotionally, but I think numbers comes with that. Then intentional outreach needs to be a primary focus of, for us in the coming, not only year ahead, but in the years ahead. But I have another important point, and that it's up to you. People often expect me to be the outreach department. But guess what? I spend all my time inward focused on all of you and the things that need to happen within the synagogue. I'm not the one actually in the workplace, in the marketplace, wherever it is, interacting and meeting with people who are not yet believers. I spend all my time <laughs> among believers, generally speaking. And often, the interesting thing is now I'm in the stage of life where most of the Jewish people I've been meeting lately who are not uh, followers of Yeshua are parents of, you know, from, that we meet from our son's school. People often expect me to be our outreach department, 
They assume I'm the one who is supposed to be busy reaching out to our Jewish people and intermarried families, and I definitely try. But actually, this obligation is incumbent upon every single one of us. I don't have more of a responsibility to raise up disciples just because I'm a rabbi. Actually, this same command, it's not, it's, the command is regardless of what your title is. If your title is Mr., Mrs., Sister, Brother, Sister, Husband, Wife, Grandchild, Shlemiel, whatever it is, you know, that's, that, whatever your title is, you are still expected to follow the four responsibilities of a disciple. Raising up disciples for our Rebbe and Master, Yeshua, is one of the four primary obligations given to each and every one of us as his followers. If we want to see our congregation grow and become even more vibrant and relevant, then we need to understand that each one of us is obligated to be, to be on the lookout for opportunities to share the message of Yeshua with the Jewish people and invite them and their families to Beth Amunah. Things are changing within the wider Jewish community. It's time to be bold. But also the way that things are changing in the Jewish community, especially with the rise of anti-Semitism and other things, we also have to be careful and loving and encouraging. Sometimes being bold also means using common sense. It also means that our methodology must be something in line with our vision and values as a congregation. In 1 Peter 3, it says, always be ready for, to, give a given, to give a reasoned answer to anyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have within you. Again, I'll read that again. Always be ready to give a reasoned answer to anyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have within you. So how can you do this? How can I do this? It's actually much easier than we think. We have to feel this pressure, and it's really not very much pressure. Every day, pray for divine appointments. Opportunities to impart little tiny seeds to anyone, whether they're Jewish or not, to friends, to family, to coworkers. My friend Rabbi Stuart Dowerman often says that we only have to get people to maybe, right? We often feel this pressure like every single person, you've got to get them to like fall on their knees, have a radical encounter with God, right? What must I do to be saved? That's not what we're actually called to do. Our, our job is to plant seeds. How many of you have ever planted a seed? And how many of you, as soon as you planted it, saw results? Very few of us, right? Instead, whether you're the one personally doing it or whether you leave it up to nature, there's water that has to be applied. There's time, which is always the worst part, right? <laughs> All of us want everything immediate, especially in today's day and age. But there's a process that has to happen in order to see fruit as a result of the seed. Some of us do get the opportunity to pray with people, but often that's at the end of a journey where other people planted seeds along the way. And first and foremost, it's really the work of the Ruach. None of us really do anything, right? Like in our power, we don't bring anybody to God. Every day, ask God to bring people into your path. And again, it doesn't even necessarily mean you give them the whole, the whole Megillah, right? The whole gospel message. Sometimes it's simply speaking words of encouragement. Don't be afraid to discuss our synagogue with your Jewish friends and family. Invite them to special events and holiday celebrations. Take some of our, 
that we're going to be having on the back from now on. We didn't get the little plastic holders, but I can get you the cards. We have like generic business cards. They don't have names of like individuals. Instead, it's this is our synagogue, this is our service time, and if you want more information, here it is. I want to encourage you that some of you, well, actually all of you, <laughs> I want to encourage that all of you should take some of those and stick them either in your purse, in your briefcase, in your wallet, whatever it is, because when you have opportunities to say, it's funny you should mention that. <laughs> Let me tell you about our synagogue, and this is where you can find out more information. That way you'll always be ready when the opportunity arises. And start thinking outreach. Every day ask Hashem, how can I be expanding your kingdom and preparing the world for the return of Mashiach? Sometimes it's simple things. Yeshua is the Messiah. And it's time to stand up for what we believe to be true. Again, there are appropriate times and places as well as needs to be sensitive. I'm not talking about beating people over the head. Far from it. Our job is simply to plant seeds. One day that might mean simply a warm and caring smile. At other times it will actually mean sharing about the hope that we have within each and every one of us. But you might think... I don't know enough to say anything. I don't have all the answers. Guess what? Neither do I. <laughs> the reality is that none of us really do. It's not about us. That's the most important thing that we need to overcome. It's not about us. But about what God wants to do through us. All you need to do is be willing to be a vessel. There's so many Torah portions that I love, but one of them is Bilam, right? Because I find it so encouragingly, so encouraging that if God can use a donkey, right, then I figure, all right, God, then hopefully you can use me too. People don't need lists of facts or proof texts. They need your stories, especially in the world in which we live, which is postmodern. You can give people all the facts in the world and you could give them all the points and people say, who cares, right? Because all of us are bombarded with facts. Instead, what we do is we filter through the facts by sifting through what, what we care about. What, you know, I can think, okay, like it's easy to get overwhelmed by either global warming or whatever. I'm going to get cancer from this and from that and doing, you know, eating this and drinking that. But if I realize this affects me somehow, personally and immediately, then I'm going to do something. It's not about how much you know, but who you know, as they say. It's that story about the day that you were healed. It's the day you were broken, lying on the floor, lost and hopeless, and God found you. It's the story about knowing God, what God has done for you. Or the story about how your faith in Yeshua has actually made you a more committed individual. Each one of you has the ability to simply share why you started attending Beth Emunah. You don't need to know all the facts. You just have to say, you know what? I started going to this place because this is where I found fill in the blank. Each one of you has the ability to talk about what, keep, what keeps you coming back. Each one of you has the ability to tell how this synagogue has strengthened your faith or how it's helped you to have a more committed Jewish life or support the land of Israel or your understanding of the Bible. Furthermore, each one of you has the ability to discuss the value of being part of a loving and supportive community. 
If you get anything from what I say today, it's simply this. It's about your stories. It's simply being yourself and explaining why the heck you even bother to show up every single week. You have a story and somebody needs to hear it. These principles of discipleship should be taken seriously by all of us, myself included. We also must take seriously the reality that one of those principles is to raise up other disciples. In today's modern world, we have somewhat lost the meaning of what it means to be a disciple or to have a master. But it's time to rededicate our lives, put our hands to the plow, and earnestly follow Yeshua. As 1 Peter 3.15 states, to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us. Rabono Shalom, master of the universe. I pray, God, that these responsibilities would be seared into our nishamot, into our souls. That in every single opportunity and moment that we would be prepared to have a reasoned answer for the hope that lies within us. God, I pray that we would take seriously the command to prepare the world for the return of Mashiach. We might not see it in our own time, but I believe we are, in whatever way, getting closer. And the world is more and more in a desperate need for the light of redemption. And our people need to hear messages of encouragement. As Isaiah writes, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami, Yomar Elohechem. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God, and speak out to them tenderly that your God is near. Help us to lift you up, Yeshua, to elevate you in all we do, that we would follow in your ways, in your teachings, in your understanding, that you are the living Torah and that we would be the embodiment of that understanding of Torah in the world around us. Thank you, God, for this great and awesome responsibility. And at the same time, it really is an opportunity. For you said greater works than these that we will do if we would simply have faith. God, help us to have faith. God, my deepest prayer is help my unbelief. Because if we just have that little itty bitty tiny faith beside simply the size of a mustard seed, we could change the world. We'd be able to speak to mountains and see them be moved. Help our unbelief, God. And help us to put our identities in you and see ourselves in the world around us the way you see us and the world around us. To function in your love, your confidence, and your strength. We pray all of this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. So please rise as we turn in our prayer books to page 85 for the Alenu. Page 85. When, when we get to this, then I'm going to, then we'll read this in English, okay? Alenu le shabayach la'adon ha'kol. Let's get a little bit 
שלא עשנו כגויי הארצות, ולא שמנו כמשפחות האדמה, שלא שם חלקנו כהם, וגורלנו ככל המונם. ואנחנו קוראים ומשתחווים ומודים לפני מלך מלכי המלכים הקדוש ברוך שהוא נוטה שמיים ויוסר ארץ ומושב יקרו בשמיים ממעל ושכינת עוזו ושכינת עוזו בגב המרומים ואלוהינו אין עוד אמת מלכנו אפס זולתו ככתוב בתורתו וידעת היום וידעת היום והשבות אלה ורחה כי אדוני הוא האלוהים בשמיים ממעל ועל הארץ ועל הארץ מתחת אין עוד אין Let's continue together the top of page 88 and we'll read this responsively. Therefore, we put our, put our hope in you, Adonai, our God, that we may soon see your mighty splendor to remove detestable idolatry from the earth and false gods will be utterly cut off to perfect the universe through the almighty sovereignty. Then all humanity will call upon your name to turn all the earth's wicked toward you. All the world's inhabitants will recognize and know that to you every knee should bend and every tongue should swear before, before you, you Adonai, Adonai our, our God they, they will bend, bend every knee and cast themselves down to the, the glory of your name they will render homage and they will all accept upon themselves the yoke of your kingship that you may reign over them soon and eternally for the kingdom is yours and you will reign for all eternity and glory as it is written in your Torah Adonai shall reign for all eternity Therefore, God also highly exalted Messiah and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name belonging to Yeshua, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Yeshua the Messiah is Adonai to the glory of God the Father. And it is said, Adonai will be king over all the world. And on that day, Adonai will be one and God's name will be one. Amen. Venemar Vahaya Adonai Lamelech Al-Kohaaretz Bayom Ha'hu Bayom Ha'hu Yihye Adonai Echad Ushemo Ushemo we now turn to the next page for the mourner's cottage, and I invite those who are in mourning and those observing a yard site to remain standing. Together, Yitgadal v'yitkadash shemei rabba, b'alma divra chirute v'yamlich mahute, ויצמח פורקני ויקרא משיחי, 
בחייכון ויומכון, ובחיי דכל בית ישראל, בעגלה ובזמן קריב ואמרו אמן. יהא שלמה רבה מן שמיא, וחיים עלינו ועל כל ישראל, ואמרו. יהא שלמה רבה מן שמיא, וחיים עלינו ועל כל ישראל. לא, לא, יהא שלמה, אני מצטער. יהא שלמה רבה מבורך לעולם ולעולמי עולמיה, יתברך וישתבח ויתפאר ויתרומם ויתנשא, ויתהדר ויתעלה ויתעלל שמי דקודשה בריחו. לאלה מנקו ברכתה ושירתה, תושבחתה ונחמתה, דמירן בעלמה ואמרו אמן. יהא שלמה רבה מן שמיא, וחיים עלינו ועל כל ישראל ואמרו אמן. עושה שלום במרומיו, הוא יעשה שלום עלינו ועל כל ישראל ואמרו אמן. מהי הוא מקס פיס אין ההבנלי ראומס. Make peace for all of us, for all of Israel and all the nations of the world. And let us say, Amen. You may be seated. And if you'll pull your bulletins out uh, for some announcements, and I'd like to invite Shirley Didon, one of our board members, uh, to share with us what's going on. <laughs> Um, we are having a congregational meeting this afternoon. We have some family business to take care of. So if you are a regular attender, you are invited to stay. In your bulletin it says 1.30, but it might be, maybe. After the owning, okay? Okay. Um, we are having a Hanukkah celebration, our Hanukkah celebration will be on Sunday, December 22nd, starting at 6 p.m. We have a lot of wonderful things planned, so come and be a part of what God is doing that night. And the next one. Um, for the next one, we have a lot going on with our homeless ministry, so I'm going to invite Karen Foreman to come up and um, talk a little bit about it. Before I start about that, I, I just wanted to let you know this morning, just uh, two hours ago, we got a lot of milk. So please take milk home for you or your neighbor. <laughs> yeah, and it's good one. It's the A2 milk. <coughs> anyway, um, the next uh, outreach is going to be uh, this Wednesday night. And uh, it's uh, in North Hills. We're going to distribute uh, hygiene packs and toys for kids. This is... Um, for people that are in temporary 30-day uh, motel housing, and then we're gonna hit the encampments. And it's about 300 families. And if you wanna come, let me know before Wednesday, because that day I'll get up at five, and it's nonstop until I get home at midnight, and I will not have time to text. And so this one um, is for people that, you know, our prayer warriors, you can pray from home, you can come. Um, you know, the first part, the motels, it's not dangerous or anything, and, and it's really eye-opening, and it's a really good experience. So, um, next slide. Oh, uh, yeah, that just happened, too. So, next uh, Saturday, we're going to go on a two-minute ride from here down to the senior home, and we were invited, and we can do... Um, uh, <coughs> 
gift distribution. That it's a senior home that's 80% Jewish, and it's about 20% of other faith. And uh, we have a time slot from 2 to 3. We wish we can have the, you know, y your part that you do after service here over there, but I, I don't think we can. Uh, we're going to have a um, special um, sing-along with the Moraleses and Angie and special guest Naomi, and I heard that Gary is going to come. We're going to have kids that are going to uh, sing, dance, you know, all that, and we need kids. Kids are always, you know, the more... They, we just need kids. If you have a kid that wants to pass out a present or however they want to be involved, that will be great. Um, okay. Um, we also, okay, this is very uh, special because they have uh, 25 people that are in memory care that you can actually access. But we, they ask us for like a, a specific like little things that we can bless them with. And um, Lou is making uh, some kinetic and, and special gifts for them. Y you know, they have games. We actually, we were able to get two reborns, and uh, those are very helpful for that. But the rest, um, you know, if you didn't bring anything and you still want to do it, obviously I'm going to have everything ready for next Shabbat because we're going to be here in Dash. But I have those in the back seat. If you want to open it, take one. Or you want to fill it with something, that's fine. We have people already brought in handwritten notes because that's something they want. You know, that they, they live there and they have basically everything taken care of. So you need to think of what would you want, like nice warm sock or chocolate or whatever, you know, stuff like that. Um, then I hope I have everything for that. What's next? Oh, um, this one actually is... Um, oh, if you brought any Hanukkah stuff, for please, please give it to me today and just put it in the back seat. Um, this one is the last one. Um, and this is a food chair. And um, Lou is in charge of that one. And she says she needs help uh, for, like, you know, this is not a full-time job. If you want to help one time or once a, once a month or whenever you want to do. So the times for that are Sunday at 8 p.m., Monday 7.30, Wednesday you, we have places to pick up for at 7.30, 8.30, 9.30. And um, we also need help at the community table, which actually um, Mallory heads up, but, you know, Nobody can be here 100%. So anybody want to step in, just talk to Lou, please. And I think that's it. Thank you, Karen. What a wonderful job this ministry is doing. Amen. Okay. And Oneg. If you would like to participate in an Oneg team, if you are a master chef or not so masterful in the kitchen, Call the office, and we'll get you connected. There is a lot going on at Beth Emina. There always is. But I think that's our last slide. Please consult your bulletin and get informed. Thank you. All right, thank you so much. So, all right, well, let's conclude our service with uh, the ironic benediction. So if you'll please rise.
Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ya er Adonai pina v'lecha v'chuneicha. Yisa Adonai pina v'lecha v'yasem lecha. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and fill you and us and this world with peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. So this officially concludes our service, but stick around for Kiddush and Hamotzi and if you're able to join us for Oneg. And also is our congregational meeting today. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom. They shamru b'nei Israel b'erech ha-shabbat v'ha-so et ha-shabbat v'dorot ha-merit olam. Be'niu b'nei Israel o'ti le'olam o'ti le'olam. And the children...